Did he resume? I oh. did. Welcome, oh. ladies and gentlemen, to The WAN Show. We have a fantastic show for you guys today. Actually, lots of fun topics today. We're going to be talking through AMD's Zen 5 Strix Point, which is apparently going to be a 3 nanometer processor. I mean, that is not many nanometers. That's like that is a, that's like, a very low amount that's of nanometers. A few nanometers. That's it. Uh, there's some pretty big news on the gaming monitor front. There's going to be the first 390 hertz monitor coming. And what else we got today? Much Samsung Wow plus 350 Ti. Hmm? Different Ooh. screens. Very interesting different screens. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, games, are, are, are your games stuttering at home? Are you having stuttering issues? Stuttering. Blame Windows. Nothing else. Only Windows. Yeah, Specifically we'll, Bill Gates. We'll talk about that. Are we going to do the whole like base camp imploding conversation? We can. <laughs> All uh, right. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. Let's uh we'll let's roll the around intro. that topic. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it might be a might be a tender topic. Yeah. Tender. Yeah. yeah. Get tendies. <laughs> Why don't we jump right into our headline topic? I can't remember what it is. Ah, uh, yes, AMD is not ripping off Intel. Allow me to explain. It would be pretty yes. easy to say, oh, hey, wait, hold on a second. I mean, AMD is releasing a, a hybrid CPU. That just sounds a lot like Intel Alder Lake which is the code name for their 12th generation core series processors, which are going to use the uh, use high performance Golden Cove cores alongside power saving Gracemont cores, with the idea being that you get performance when you need it and power saving when you don't. But in fact, Intel is not the first one to have that idea. And there's a whole lot else going on with their Zen 5 architecture that has really nothing to do with what Intel's doing. So first things first, Zen 5 will apparently be based on TSM3's N3 process node, which I think they, they're just kind of changing up the nomenclature on us. I actually didn't know that they call them, okay, maybe they're not, because they're referring to their seven nanometer as N7. So I've just never heard that branding for it before, go figure. So their N3 process node is two full nodes away from AMD's current seven nanometer node with TSMC, and it's claimed to be 1.7 times as dense as five nanometer, which is itself 1.8 times as dense as seven nanometer. And we are expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of a 50 plus percent um, increase in power efficiency compared to seven nanometer and Wow, so 15% faster than 15% faster. So what would that what would that be? Something like 35 or so, 35 or so percent faster than 7 nanometer as well. Whew. Now AMD has a tendency to do major architecture changes in their odd numbered releases. So Zen 5 is expected to be a big update over Zen 4 with significant memory subsystem changes, but the big new feature is of course big little or uh, hybrid chip design. And we've seen this before in uh, ARM CPUs in particular, or SOCs, I guess I should say, because there's a lot more than just a CPU in them. But your phone, assuming you have one that was built in, 
I don't know, Luke, five years, six? Seven? Quite a while. When did yeah. when did uh, when did the first big little arm designs show up? First release. I'm, Looking I'm, it up. I'm googling this. Arm big little. Here we go. Heterogeneous. Blah blah, etc. Come on, give me a year, ladies and gentlemen. Give me a year. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not going to be able to to do that. But it's been it's been around for a while in mobile with the main benefit being that you can shut off or at least mostly shut off those big powerful cores when you're doing something like uh periodically checking for notifications for email or whatever. And then when it's time to retouch a photo, then boom, the heavy cores kick in and you're you're ready to rock. And Apple's M1 very recently was the first to bring this to the desktop. Intel will follow according to their roadmap later this year. And then Zen 5 will apparently rock. Interesting. So the code name for the Zen 5 APU is going to be Strix Point. It makes total sense that this is something that would be more of an APU focused feature because that's that's the kind of CPU. <laughs> See, AMD, AMD kills me. An APU is the kind of CPU. So no, according to AMD, it's an APU. According to Intel, it's a CPU because most of their consumer chips just have graphics on them anyway. But that's what makes something an APU, according to AMD. So (laughs) an APU is the kind of (laughs) CPU that would end up in something like an office computer. And uh, you guys might not know this, but there are some new efficiency standards coming particularly in places like Japan that are going to force... Uh, like mass production computers to implement new power saving ideas like um, integrating the 12 volt to 5 and 3.3 volt conversion on, sorry, did I say, uh, so moving that DC to DC conversion onto the motherboard instead of doing it in the power supply. We saw this with Intel's 12VO like prototype power supply and some ASRock board and it made a huge difference. It absolutely blew me away how much of a difference it made. And doing something like this, Big Little, is going to help meet those kinds of efficiency standards because um, one of the big things that it improved upon was idle efficiency. So actually, when that system was under load, the power consumption was relatively close to just an, a normal system because when you're under load, the things that kick in are going to be your CPU and your GPU. Uh, Both of those are powered predominantly off of 12 volt, but everything else is running all the time. And so it's your idle power consumption where you're going to actually save by not having those low voltage lines where you're going to, the lower the voltage is, uh, the the less efficient it is. That's why the power lines coming into your house, for example, are, well, not into your house because the ones coming into your house are actually typically around the same voltage as um what your house actually runs but the ones coming into the substation in your neighborhood run at much higher voltage than the lines that are going to your house um because it's it's just way less efficient to run at low voltages so uh this is going to help with that because amd is going to have these cpus that will absolutely sip power when they're not really doing anything um and then we'll still have hopefully the horses i mean eight big cores is still pretty good. I mean, we're talking, oh yeah, and also mobile. So they'll have decent GPUs built right into the CPU. That's what makes it an APU. (laughs) They'll they'll have these big little (laughs) CPU cores, so they will sit power, and they will 
Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, well, basically, I guess that's it. Um, so there's an ex they have an expected release date of 2024. And as for naming, AMD's Zen 3 Plus refresh, codenamed Warhol, is rumored to be delayed or canceled with an accelerated Zen 4 launch instead. So in terms of branding, Zen 3 refresh, Ryzen 6000? Zen 4 and Zen 5, then Ryzen 7 and 8000? And then... Maybe, or maybe Zen 3 refresh would be like XT, like 5000 XT, and then Zen 4 and 5 or 6 and 7000. We don't know. I just, uh, I really wish that AMD hadn't screwed things up, you know, 20 years ago with their plus branding, because that would have made it really simple these days. Right, Luke? They could have just gone, okay. It was good. Yeah. Every new Zen architecture, you get a new thousand number. And then every plus architecture, you put a plus at the end. But they don't, they screwed it up. They screwed it up. They had they had pluses at the end of four-digit numbers way back then, and that wasn't what it meant. So now it's all ruined. Not that there's any continuity in, in these product naming schemes anyway. I mean, they're clearly all making it up no. as they go along. I mean, what is RTX? Yeah. I mean, it's having... Course, that one's not too bad. Real-time ray tracing. That was, that was kind of okay, um, okay, okay, fine. Okay, okay, fine. So I'm reading in here a lot of talk about desktop processors, but this seems way more like a mobile play. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's where you're going to get the vast majority of the benefits. So being able to kick in those high performance cores when it's time to hook up an external GPU and play a game, but being able to run on those four cores while you're, you know, editing a text document in Google Docs or something like that is pretty much the only chance that x86 has of getting competitive with arm in laptops yeah. which all of a sudden it's going to be a freaking thing i mean we talked about this last week not only is is arm already a thing in notebooks i mean it's not like qualcomm doesn't have notebook design wins that are out there although i don't think anyone cares about them but more <laughs> importantly i mean nvidia is clearly working on a notebook cpu that is going to be arm based so once that starts to happen I mean, Apple has already made the transition to ARM for mobile and, and desktops. Well, Apple's moving to ARM with everything. All of a sudden, the the the, the barbarians are at the gates. X eighty six. Like you gotta catch up here. It's been it's been years since Big Little existed on ARM. I'm assuming there are technical challenges that made it very difficult, but that doesn't change the fact that you're just like gonna have to do it. Yeah. Now, in terms of what Intel's gonna have to compete. A mobile Alder Lake processor has actually already leaked on Geekbench with six big and eight little cores, a base frequency of 800 megahertz, and a max frequency of 4.7 gigahertz. Rumors suggest that the desktop SKU will be a 16-core layout with an 8 plus 8 configuration, which means that Intel might not be performance competitive with AMD on the desktop for at least another year i mean I, th I think it's gonna be more than that well i said at least yeah in my yeah. defense i put yeah. a lot of emphasis on the you at did. least yeah 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 okay i'll give you that but yeah i think it's gonna be a while so it's rumored Ooh. to support or it's not rumored it's like almost certain to support ddr5 so it's going to come on a new lga 1700 socket which will be totally incompatible with current coolers I mean, it was a good run. You know, you can criticize Intel all you want for changing their, their board, making you change your board every time you want to upgrade your CPU or whatever. But one thing they have done really well is maintained cooler compatibility 
for, I mean, when did Clarkdale come out? Uh, Intel Clarkdale CPU launch. That was in 2010. For over 10 years, you've been able to reuse your Intel CPU, your like aftermarket Intel CPU. Probably haven't even really thought about it. That's pretty cool. Now, AMD, depending on how your cooler manufacturer implemented their compatibility with AMD, AMD actually can go back even farther. So if you have an AMD cooler that uses the clips around the like the plastic brackets around the socket, like just the little hooks, you can go all the way back to socket 754, which launched in 2003. So Intel managed, or AMD is going on 15 years pretty soon of cooler compatibility. It does, it does kind of help when you, when you take a, essentially a, a sabbatical in the middle of that though. That's true. That's true. There was a, there was a bit of a gap in the like having CPUs yeah. that anyone cared about um, sort of, yeah. uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> and to be clear, AMD's like, compatibility unless if you don't use the little hooks it is is no that's a mess because socket 754 and if i recall correctly 939 both used two screws like two bolts through the board into the back plate and then am whatever started being four and then am4 actually moved them if i recall correctly so it's like two this way and like two kind of like that and then of course there's the enthusiast socket thread ripper you know all that kind of stuff that's not compatible but then that was true on intel as well uh, on the server side, the mounting holes did move around a fair bit in that time period. This is a long aside, um, not very important. The new socket will need additional pins to support USB 4 and PCI Express Gen 5. Uh, and AMD will also be changing sockets uh, because, you know, these new connectivity standards. So AM4 is going away, but we have no information about what AM5 might look like. And it's actually been rumored that AMD might go LGA instead of sticking with pins, which, I mean, Luke, how do you feel about that, Luke? I mean, you've had uh, to personally repair the pins on an AM4 CPU. I, I'm upset. I'm upset. I had to deal with the struggles. Everyone else should have to deal with it too. Uh, no, no, I think that's a good thing. Can I just um, take a moment to talk about what a big load of horse that argument is <laughs> yeah it's terrible you know we yeah. shouldn't we we shouldn't forgive any student loan debt because you know <laughs> I, I had to pay it like never mind never mind that you know your generation's student loans were a fraction of what they are now not to mention not that comparable. you didn't have yeah. to go nearly as deep into your post-secondary education in order to have meaningful credentials like I, okay whoa this could be this could be a very long aside but like you know it's 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 very it's very frustrating to me that you know in the 60s in the 70s uh a high school diploma actually was considered a job credential now it's basically considered you know uncomfortable toilet paper and if you don't have a bachelor's degree don't even bother for a lot of positions and then in the same way, what used to be a bachelor's degree type of position back in the you know mid to master. latter part of the 20th century, now they're going to ask for a master's. So on the one hand, school costs have gone like this, and the requirement for credentials has gone like this. So not only does this generation, the Zoomer generation, have to deal with the fact that they had to pay more for school, 
They had to pay for it longer. Their rent was more expensive. The general cost of living is way higher. Like it's, it's here the, I am the, going on a very, to this is a very, this is a very political, it's a political conversation, Luke. We're, we're starting a political conversation here. But to me, just mm-hmm. like, you know, having a functioning society where people can afford <laughs> yeah. to live based on, you know, going to work and so, not be starving people, is not political. That's just basic. Some people are kind of pushing against those aspects. Like some people are, are trying to make sure that they, they weigh portfolios and examples of work quite highly during hiring processes and stuff. Sure. I mean, but we I will, do, it, but not everyone does. Yeah. No, for sure. And it is harder. Like, I understand why someone trying to be lazy wouldn't want to do that because like, it's pretty easy to go into someone's resume and be like, yep, that's a bachelor from a reputable school. Cool. I mean, check mark, check except mark. that you might, that person, you know, because be a lot of, just because the school is reputable doesn't mean that that program wasn't basically an adult True. daycare. Um, you yeah. know, we've, we've hired people or not hired. We have interviewed people based on their credentials who ended up being absolute hot garbage that we would oh, yeah. never consider hiring. So, yeah, so um, this is great. McGregor M 95 says, I have this conversation with my father once a week. <laughs> and based <laughs> on your username, I'm guessing you're a zoomer born in 95. Yeah. It sounds about right. Cause it's just, it's, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like I'm sitting here. I, I tweeted about this a little while ago. It shouldn't be a controversial hot take that I want my kids to be able to afford to live in the city that they grew up in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why is, why is that all of a sudden a radical idea? I just, you, you hear stories about like, Oh yeah. When I went to university, I like paid for my whole degree. Didn't have student loans when I came out of it, lived in a decently large basement suite by myself and worked a part-time job. Like, on the weekends to pay for it all. And it's just like, what? (laughs) What fantasy land did you live in? Yeah, it's called the 80s, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're pretty far off of uh, three nanometer process nodes, though, I will say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's not that far off of one of the other topics that we said that, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, 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 no. That is incorrect. Someone in the Twitch chat's like, it all comes down to overpopulation. No, it doesn't. No, it comes down to, and I'm not singling out any individuals, it comes down to a particular generation of people swooping in like locusts, consuming absolutely everything in their path, and then putting up obstacles and barriers to make sure that nobody else can do the same thing. I mean, in in the 60s, in the 70s, zoning, like city zoning, was hardly a thing. So if you needed to, you know, build a bunch of inexpensive housing, you basically just YOLO'd it and housing was affordable. Now, to be clear, a lot of the protections that are put in place to, you know, prevent soil erosion into rivers and to make sure that, you know, forest replanting is more sustainable or like whatever, um, a lot of that makes sense. But a lot of it doesn't. A lot of the time you end up with a bunch of NIMBY that prevents making things more affordable because a certain generation has particularly here in Canada, the vast majority of their wealth tied up in real estate and doesn't want to see it impacted because that's what they banked on. But unfortunately it is basically a, a vampiric effect on the next generation because them holding on to that wealth means that 
the next generation is basically just throwing all their money away on rent and interest payments. So I'm sorry. This is this has become this has become yeah. And like Travona says, there was, a, there was an article that came out fairly recently that yeah. was like. I don't remember if it was millennials or what category it was, but it was like, you might just have to wait for your, your inheritance to be able to buy a house. And it was like, I had a really, you know. I, well, I moved recently, as you know. So I had a very yeah. interesting conversation with a mortgage broker recently, uh, not because we ended up using a mortgage broker because middle middlemen never actually are a better deal. They're just really useful for comparison shopping and putting pressure on the yeah. actual banks that actually issue the mortgages. So anyway, had a really interesting conversation um, that basically went, yeah, like in this housing boom that's been going on in Canada right now, probably a solid, and it turns out the real numbers, because there's an article that came out recently that had sort of some real numbers, but they, what the, how they felt anecdotally was about half of the people buying houses at these ludicrous prices. Like Canadian housing has gone up like 23% in the last year, something stupid it's like that. Bonkers, yeah. Um, and to be clear, to be clear. Canada ain't overpopulated, all right? Not even close. Let's just, yeah, let's just cut funny... off that conversation right about now. Um, I actually want to give two quick things to it. Sorry. Yeah. If you look at a population map of Canada, it's very funny because essentially <laughs> the entire population is a very, very thin line against the U.S. border all the way across Canada. It's just this really thin line. The other one is we still, as far as I know, have less people in all of Canada than just California. So it's, oh, it's way less. Yeah, it's way less. Um, yeah. So anyway, they were saying about half of the people buying houses at these ridiculous prices were only able to afford the down payments because the, the previous generation that shall not be named views housing as this infallible sort of investment that basically carried them through their entire lives because as wages eroded relative to the cost of living, they were able to lean on the equity that was built up in these in these home investments. Yeah, home is supposed to be a place to live. It's not supposed to be your primary form of investment. That's a whole other conversation. But they believe so strongly in it, and they are they are leaving this money to the the younger generation, and then kind of dumping it right back into this, propping up this bubble. It's horrifying, and it's not tech related. No one seems to care so far, but. Uh, Ah, oh, Travonis says, the rich like being rich, Linus. That's, that's why it is the way it is. The funny thing about it, though, is it's not... This particular problem is not necessarily the rich. We're talking about people who are house rich. That doesn't necessarily mean... Just because someone's net worth is a million dollars does not mean that they actually have a million dollars of liquidity. Like, when you live in a house that is worth a million dollars, if everyone say, for example, were to get old and pass away, you know, within a short span of time, that that value has to depreciate unless something kind of weird and crazy happens in order to prop it up. You don't actually have that cash. So you need somewhere to live. So when you sell it, you have to put it right back into somewhere to live. Or when you sell it, a bunch of others are going to sell, like from the same cohort, are going to sell it around the same time, and there's going to have to be some kind of crash. So just saying the rich is too simplistic, but I also understand where this resentment comes from because you've got literal generations of people between the millennials and Zoomers now that see the very idea of being able to own a detached home as for the rich. It wasn't, it wasn't even, 
like that that long ago. You know, when when my wife and I bought our house, it was 11, 11 years ago. Luke, do you know how much we paid for our house? Which I have heard people call a mansion yes. in YouTube comments. Yeah. It's not a mansion. It's about 2,200 square feet. It's not actually that big for a detached home. It has a really nice yard, though, which is because it was built in the 80s back when uh, you could like build houses with a yard and actually make money as a developer. It's a whole other conversation. Um, but we paid 580,000 Canadian dollars. So that's around like 475 US at the current exchange rate. That's not entirely unreasonable. Nowadays, you'd be lucky to get a townhouse and that would be farther out of the city at half the size for that money. It has only been 11 years. It's not sustainable. It's absolutely disgusting. I am, I am rooting for a housing crash. I can't wait for it. Because like when I say I want my kids to be able to afford to live in this city, I'm speaking figuratively. Um, my kids' parents will be able to help them out. That's the way it is. We've, <laughs> we've been very lucky. We've worked very hard. We've had a, a great degree of success. My kids aren't going anywhere unless they want to. But it's not just about that. What about their whole way of living? Um, yeah, Nacho Warrior, we can talk about that too. It's a whole separate issue. The whole investors causing serious problems and the whole fact that you've got, uh, I think it's, oh man, what is it? Like one in every five homeowners in Vancouver owns more than one home. That's, that's pretty problematic. Anyway, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like the way of living. What if my kids could afford to stay here, but literally everyone they ever knew in their entire life moved away because they cannot afford to be here. Like, and it like and it it it, it makes a ton of sense ton to of move sense. away. One of my yeah. best friends in high school lives on the island now because and get this, he's a doctor. I'm not talking he has a PhD in like, you know, mineral studies or something. Like he is a medical yeah. doctor practicing and he was like, "Yep, this makes no sense. See you later." Now, he's a, he's a king of pragmatism. Um, so just, even though he could afford to live here, he chooses not to because it doesn't make any sense. You know, my sister-in-law no longer lives in the city. That means my kids don't see their cousins. So the, the effects of the lack of affordability are far reaching. <sighs> anyway, um, why don't we talk about something else for a little bit? The first 390 hertz monitor is coming. Should we talk about the first 390 hertz monitor? Sure, let's let's All right, do hit it. me. What are the deets? Hit me with the deets. Not that you're going to be able to buy a graphics card that can run it, but the Acer Nitro XV2 is a 360 hertz IPS panel that can overclock to a whopping 390 hertz. It's 1080p, but fast as heck, and it's 24.5 inches. It has a 0.5 to 1 MS response time, and its rumored price is to be 730 US dollars. Acer pulls away from the competition by an extra 30 hertz. Uh, there are other 360 hertz, but this is the first one that can like officially OC to 390. Uh, Asus has an RG Swift that runs at 360, yep. and there's the Alienware 25 gaming monitor as well. Since it requires an overclock, it might not be guaranteed to be 100% stable, but considering they're saying like it can overclock to 390, I think it'd be pretty surprising if it wasn't uh, wasn't too too bad. Um, yeah. So 
Um, big f deal. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a hater, but... Uh... I, I'm not about to be too interested in going back to 1080p. That's that's one thing for me. I, I do know for a fact there will definitely be CSGO people that'll be all over this. 100%. For sure. But the thing but, about it, the yeah. thing about it is that 30 hertz is uh, a lot. You know, 30 times per second. But 30 hertz at yeah. that level. When you go, When you go from 60 hertz to 90 hertz... You are talking about a difference in like, what, what does that work out to? About five milliseconds. Potentially, you could get information five milliseconds earlier. I mean, that's the difference for a lot of people between gaming on a local area network and on like an internet connected server. This is a significant difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. When you go from, one moment, please. Let me bring up my calculator here. Okay, so when you go from uh, 390... To, or from 360 to 360, 390, yeah. it is an 8% improvement, which by the time you're at 360, so hold on one moment, please. Let's take one second divided by 360. So that is about uh, 2.7 milliseconds per, per frame. I think, I think I'm doing the math right here. And then, so hold on, times 0.92 because we've got it. Okay, so it's 2.55 milliseconds per frame. So we are talking about literally a fraction of a millisecond of difference. Now, now, less latency, definitely more better. But I would be very surprised. Uh, and not, I'm not... Yeah, he's not saying it's worse. No, it's no. Not, it, you're getting into pretty slim margins. This isn't a monitor for most people. Yes. Um, like like I pointed out, like the, the Counter-Strike fanatics are probably going to go for it, and I hope they love it. But, yeah, this is not this is not like if you're like, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun uh, trying to get to, to gold in Apex Legends. <laughs> Silver has been really entertaining. Like, it probably doesn't matter. Don't worry about it too much. I mean, um, I have a hard time imagining who this would matter for. But I'm never gonna, you know, I'm never gonna hate on like faster computers for the sake of faster computers. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. You know, actually, yeah, push the limit, right? It didn't even occur to me to uh, to look into what refresh rate the new M1 Max uh, iMax are running at. I would love to see Apple just kind of put pressure on the rest of the industry to move to high refresh rate displays on everything. They did it on the iPad Pro, and I was like, oh yeah, heck yeah, man, it's happening, it's happening. And then they just didn't kind of dropped it yeah they, they just they completely dropped it iphone mac everything they're like yeah that was pretty cool we got a lot of really great feedback for this the hyper responsiveness of this display put that in my back pocket <laughs> think about it consider pull it that out one day when we yeah. need some good sentiment we'll leave it for now a few years from now we'll we'll talk about it yeah um yeah, Yousef says we're at diminishing returns at 360 hertz. Oh, 100%. I mean... Quite notably, yeah. 360 hertz does feel significantly smoother, I would say. I would say that's where I expect to see the biggest difference going forward. Not in terms of responsiveness anymore, but in terms of animation smoothness. Because you got to remember, your eyes don't see in frames per second. That, that question of... How many, how many FPS does the eye see? It, it's, it's not correct. The way the eye sees is not like that. The, 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 the pink 
the pink goo that lives behind them doesn't process in 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 frames it's it actually can do so much it can the fact that we can display content in frames per second and see it as smooth is because of the magic goo. So the way that we see is actually dependent on what we're looking at. For example, we are far more sensitive to motion, for example, in our peripheral vision compared to things that are stationary. That's not something that you can express as frames per second. So my expectation is that, especially as we move to OLED displays, and as refresh rates get to the 500 hertz or 1000 hertz range, is we're going to see a difference in our ability to track an opponent or track a target based on the clarity of the image and the smoothness of the animation, as opposed to it actually being about getting a competitive edge by seeing your opponent or seeing the information before your opponent does. Yeah. Um, we should probably talk about our sponsors at some point here. Da, 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 da. Starting with what? Sorry, one just before you go into it, that monitor that you had at the office when we were doing my three sixty, three sixty. Yeah, that so mine, smooth, weren't it? Mine is one forty four. Yeah, and that's okay. So that's a big jump, but that was very noticeable. Yes. So. Yeah, I don't know. Very noticeable. It made you kind of want one like that, didn't it? It did, but I also don't want a game at 1080p. No, 1080p. So maybe in the future sometime. Yep. We need we need one more DisplayPort refresh, and then we'll be able to do really high refresh rate 1440p displays, and that will be sick. That'll be killer, yeah. Big shout out to ShipStation for sponsoring today's WAN show. So... You've started your own online store, you're selling products that people want, and your orders are starting to come in. Now comes the hard part, shipping those products out. And that's where ShipStation comes in. With ShipStation, it's simple to import, manage, and ship your orders out fast for less money. Import orders from any sales channel, automate just about any shipping task, and spend less time on shipping and more time growing your business. Several small businesses that we work with use ShipStation for all their shipping needs. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You'll get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. Easily compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. Ship more in less time and use code WAN to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just head to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in WAN. Make ship happen. Now, back to the show. Oh, what just happened? Oop, sorry. Sorry about that. All right. Why don't we jump into our next big topic for the day? Should we get political again, Luke? Do you want to get political? Yeah, I was trying to prep for it. Let's talk about what happened at Basecamp. First of all, what is Basecamp? Uh, they make a few different things. I think probably most notably as of late would be, Hey, the email thing. Um, and, and that would be because of the controversy that they had with, I believe it was specifically Apple, but it was like the cut that, uh, mobile platforms are taking. So you've probably heard of them. We've talked about them on the WAN show before because of their Hey email app, but they have also done other things. It's not just that. Okay. And, uh, what's going on at Basecamp right now? Okay, so there was, 
This has been interesting to track because the amount of subtweeting that has gone on around this has been immense. And what I mean by that is people just like tweeting angrily, but not explaining why. Um, yeah. I've noticed over the last few days that my feed, I follow a lot of developers and stuff. Uh-huh. My feed has exploded and it actually took me a while to get to the bottom of, of what was going on. Uh, so on Monday, Basecamp CEO published a blog post where he outlined a bunch of changes in the company. And by a bunch, I genuinely mean like a lot. A lot. Um, they don't even seem to be as... all like related. Like that's kind of the bizarre thing about this to me. Well, it's yep. one of the bizarre yep. things. Carry on. They're, they're, they're kind of all over the place. Um, and he, he actually defines it as a version change. Um, so like, like a version change of the company. Like this is a big, sweeping, massive change. Um, it, 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 he breaks it down into a variety of sections. So uh, I'm actually going to skip the first one. Because that's the one that it seems like most people have problems with. And I'm going to go to the more simple ones first. Um, so no forgetting what we do here. He says, we make project management, team communication, and email software. We are not a social impact company, blah, 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 blah. That bothered some people for sure. Um, no more 360 reviews. That's talking about, like, essentially, they're not going to do peer feedback reviews. They're going to do direct managerial reviews. Uh, no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions, which is... A, Really fun company rule. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Um, what does that even we, mean? <laughs> we've become a bit too precious with decision making over the last few years, either by wallowing in indecisiveness, worrying ourselves into overthinking things. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's for sure. It's a it's a problem. You don't want to get stuck like scared of making decisions because of past problems. But sure. like, wow, a bit of an interesting company rule to not linger on uh, past decisions. No more committees. For nearly all of our 21-year existence, we were proudly committee-free, no big working groups making big decisions or blah, 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 essentially no big committees. No more paternalistic benefits. And this took me a second. I literally had to Google this. Um, essentially, they, they used to have a, a fund. They offered a fitness benefit, a wellness allowance, a farmer's market share, continuing education allowances like uh-huh. all this other kind of stuff okay. and they're cutting they're cutting that off they are introducing a 10 percent profit sharing plan um but they they like they don't before it was like we want to help you spend in these ways and yeah. they're canning that um they're just doing the 10 percent profit sharing plan uh now here's the big one this is the one that seems to have lit most of the fires there's a few there's a, quite a few things in here that People are going to get pretty aggravated about, for sure. Yeah. But this one seems to be the bonfire out of all the... Okay. Can you relax? Can you calm down? Um, this one seems to be the bonfire out of all the other small fires. Uh, no more societal and political discussions on our company Basecamp account. Today's social and political waters are especially choppy. Sensitivities are at 11, and every discussion remotely related politics, uh, advocacy, sure. or society at large uh, quickly spins away from pleasant. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so these were all pretty impactful to a lot of employees at Basecamp because a lot of these things seem to have dip- – this is all what I've gleaned from just trying to read people's uh, – Twitter posts and whatnot about it. A lot of these things seem to have defined people's experiences at Basecamp. It's a big part of the reason why they worked there. Yeah. And now there have been sweeping changes. Yeah. 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 
Um, so there was something pretty interesting that was done. I don't know if this was expected. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Uh, the CEO offered a generous severance for those that didn't agree with him. Um, which, I mean, sure, why not? But a third of the company just straight up quit after he did that. Um, again, maybe that was kind of the goal. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, here's a really challenging thing is how do you draw the line between what's political and what's not? I mean, I saw I saw an interesting billboard the other day. I was I happened to be uh, on the phone with my wife while I was driving in to play badminton and on speaker, of course. Um, so I was just chatting with her and I saw this billboard that was like a hashtag stop Asian hate billboard. And like I'm talking to her about this and we're just speaking very candidly. I'm like. You know, obviously, I agree with the sentiment, but what are the odds that a billboard, you know, is going to take some racist jackass and oh, make them, make them reflect yes. and go, oh, you know what? Wow, maybe skin color is just a color and not actually like meaningful. And we might as well divide people by how tall they are or you know, the diameter of their nostrils or any other any oh. other number of like inane ways to divide people into groups. Like we could just as easily do it by by hair color and, you know, whatever. Like It's going to make it's going to make them you just. Oh, wow. It's if only if only I had seen that billboard earlier in my life, it would have it would have changed the way that that I feel would have been so different. Um, and anyway, the other the other part of the billboard. So it had the hashtag on it. And then it also just said, um, you know, uh, racism is not an opinion. And it's like, yeah, that's that's true. That's that's a conversation that for whatever reason we have to have now, I guess, is that like sort of being an is that's that's not an opinion. That's just like being a jerk. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, yes, your your you know, free speech or whatever in, in the West it definitely allows you to say a lot of things that you can say, but it doesn't mean that there's no consequences for them. It just means that the government can't lock you up for speaking against the government. That's like actually what that means. Um, so being a jerk is like still bad and has always been bad. Um, but uh, coming, coming back to the base camp conversation, that's where I think that... Um, this is, I don't know, this is, it's complicated, but it's also not that complicated where the the justification for this seems to be that, it, oh, it's very difficult to draw these lines between what's political and what's well, not political. But to me, well, like yeah. being, a, being a jerk or being intolerant of others is not political. That's just like being a jerk. Um, and and the, the point which yeah. I think might have gotten lost in the weeds somewhere. But sure. the point, not by us, to be clear, um, I just think in general, um, the point, the, the CEO's reasoning was that discussion right. of political topics was a major distraction. And it sounds so, like he just wanted people to focus on their work more. And that may be a fair point. Like if you've got, you know, literally you have a whole group of people that are dedicated to being the, the committee on, you know, whatever, whatever conversation that has sure. quite yeah. frankly, absolutely nothing to do with work. Um, you know, like a, like a, a short people's, you know, equal rights committee or something like that. I picked sure. that not because I think short people particularly need better rights. 
By the way, they are actually a disadvantaged group, just saying. Um, I, I picked that because it's an easy one for me to pick on because I am below average height. Anyway, the point is, maybe there's this committee and all the people that are on this committee spend 30% like, of their time like doing committee things that have absolutely nothing to do with improving their apps and services. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it really was a significant problem. And maybe the management of the company, although <clears throat> quite a few high-level people did leave, maybe the, <laughs> maybe the management of the company sees this third of them leaving as a boon. I don't, I don't know. But to me, the line between what's political and, not polit and what is not political isn't really that, that complicated. Um, but we also have a pretty homogeneous culture at Linus Media Group for the most part. And when I say homogeneous culture, I don't necessarily mean things like skin color. I mean that we we don't have debates in the hallways about, um, you know, whether certain groups of people should be allowed to, you know, go there or whatever. We, I, I mean, obviously as CEO, I don't necessarily see everyone's true colors, but certainly nobody has had the cojones to, um, be outwardly, uh, you know, discriminatory uh, when I'm present. So I, I don't know. It just yeah, hasn't been a problem. Just, it hasn't seemed there, that there, complicated. Yeah, there, there isn't a lot of debate necessarily there. I, and, and I have no idea what goes on at that company. Um, but I, I would say just like reading this blog, this changes at Basecamp blog, it's weird. It's really weird. Like even in, including like the no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions. Like I think there's other ways. If if this yeah. is the type of stuff you're trying to get across, if you're like, wow, we're really all over the place, and this has become like a social camp more than a workspace, and like all this other kind of stuff, I think you can communicate those types of things and try to drive that change in way different ways than this. I think this was a really horrible way of doing it. Um, again, maybe. He wanted people to leave. It's um, possible. But the thing is, like, I don't know. I mean, saying it like that, it's not like I'm some kind of management guru or human resources expert or anything like that. But framing something negatively is almost never yeah. the way to get people on your side. What you need to say yeah. is, we need to improve our decisiveness. You know, that's your, you know, your manager speak or whatever. You can't say, we need to stop questioning my you know, freaking decisions. That That's just, that's always going to rub people the well, wrong way. Like, and no matter how long your history why, is. Luke, Luke, why, like, no, no, Luke, stop. We're not going to question what I just said. There's no debate. It, Linus, come on. Uh, there, <laughs> there was something you said a long time ago, which, which kind of goes in line with number four. Um, you brought up, I don't remember exactly how you said it, so I'm going to misquote the heck out of you, but it was something along the lines of like, if we make if we make a decision, like if, if we're in a room with a group of people yeah. and we need to make a decision on how we're going to do something, yeah, you're on board. Like this is a team. You can, you can make your arguments, but ultimately we need to come up with the best possible solution as a team and run with it. And if it doesn't really work out, pointing back and being like, well, I didn't like how is useless. And you just need to try to like drive and improve it in the future. And I, you said it much better than that, but like it, it was essentially like you need to be a part of the team and not just like complaining. 
Don't yeah. be a complainy pants. Don't present a problem unless you time, have a solution. Yeah, complaining all the time, yeah. not posting solutions, like blah, 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 blah. Now, in Floatplane Chat, things, it doesn't make you feel like part of the team. In Floatplane Chat, they're saying the past decisions seem to be kind of a code word for um, ignoring this um, racially insensitive list of funny names for their customers that they used to have or oh. something like that. So it may be that <laughs> basically they just wanted to get rid of people that were upset about certain aspects of their company's history and, and a pattern of uh, insensitive behavior. Yeah. See, like, I don't, I don't know those types of details about this kind of stuff. Um, the thing is like at the, at the end of the day, you cannot treat people like human resources. And when I say I use the, even just the term human resources, how disgusting is that? Right. You're, you're basically resources. We use the word resources to describe things like, you know, things like iron ore in the side of a mountain, inanimate objects. Um, And the only reason I use that term is because in the interest of clear communication with other human beings, I use the universally understood terms to describe things instead of trying to come up with my own, you know, snowflake names for things. But I, I do find it pretty disrespectful, honestly, to refer to people as human resources. And I think that a successful company that has this attitude that people are sort of easily replaceable and disposable um, I think it's, it's not. I don't think it's good for trouble. anyone. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it feels good for the employees. I don't think it feels good for um, owners. I, I think. I think if an owner feels like their employees are like easy replaceable, like cartridges, basically, then they're probably pretty detached from the company at that point. Right. Um, people are suggesting we can we can make HR human relations. I mean that that really sounds like that sounds like some kind of like sex orgy cult or something to me. <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like a little too intimate. <laughs> hey, you guys wanna you guys wanna go to club human relations on Saturday night? <laughs> I don't know. You guys um, wanna? Yeah, I don't know. I was gonna try to make a joke about keep talking and nobody explodes because I want to have a float plane game night where we play that soon, but um, I couldn't I couldn't make it work. Oh boy. Anyway. Um, why don't we? Uh, why don't we go ahead and talk about another topic here? How about oh, something anyways, tech? Yeah, side note thing, I guess. Uh, if you're looking to hire developers, especially mobile ones, uh, a bunch of them just entered the market. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Seriously, though, like a lot. I, there's there's a lot of Twitter posts about like, hey, so I'm gonna like go vacation for two weeks, but then I'm looking for a job. There's it's there's a lot of them. So yeah, scoop them up. Uh, all right, so much Samsung, very wow, plus 3050 Ti. Samsung's April Unpacked event was this week. They showed off some new laptops, freaking amazing looking OLED panels. They're based off the same tech as the screen in the, uh, sorry, they are apparently based off the same tech as the screen in the S21 Ultra, but in practice, it's pretty different. Uh, we looked at the 15-inch Galaxy Book on short circuit. It looks pretty freaking awesome. Although the chassis stiffness was a, a bit of a letdown, hopefully on the 13-inch 360 model, it's a bit better. But check this out. This is a this is a really different looking. Um, this is a this is a really different looking subpixel yeah. arrangement. So you're looking at the Pixel Five right now. It's very similar on the S21 Ultra, 
And then right here, you're looking at the Samsung Galaxy Book Pro. So there's, they say it's like, oh, based on the S21 Ultra, but it looks like very, very different. So we're used to seeing green pixels outnumber the other ones by two to one almost, I think, if I recall correctly. It's like half green and then 25% each of the others, if I recall correct, Tamal. Um, but instead what we're looking, no, actually, hold on. I'm having a look at the, uh, the matrix here. Everyone, everyone. Yeah, no, I think that that is actually right. Yes. But this is way heavier on blue subpixels, but then the green and red ones look significantly brighter. This is definitely going to require some more, uh, investigation in practice. Apparently it looks like really good though. Uh, they yeah, it looks very odd in the, in this sample, though. Yeah, I haven't seen one like that before. Uh, they also announced their Galaxy Odyssey gaming li uh, laptop that features NVIDIA's, until now, unannounced 3050 Ti. We don't have a lot of info about it because they haven't actually officially announced that GPU, but the leaks suggest it will have 4 gigs of memory. Uh, given that the laptops come with a 135-watt charger, don't expect too much in terms of performance, but you could expect decent battery life. And they have 11th-gen Intel CPUs, which uh, might be good, but are probably just fine. And that's about it. There actually kind of wasn't really that much. But hey, Apple's next M-series SoC has apparently entered mass production. According to Nikkei Asia sources, the next generation of Apple Silicon processors have entered mass production this month, and it is tentatively being referred to as M2. That surprises me. I would have thought it would be like like M1 like plus or something like Gen Gen 1 but like more better. So maybe we'll go from M1 and Don't M2. Don't they usually start doing that later on? M M10 and M20? Like I I I don't know. Uh so with their A series SOCs, they have it's been A and then the number to indicate the generation. But what we're expecting is that M2 is going to be like a higher performance part intended for a different tier of system. It's on TSMC's uh, okay. five nanometer yeah. process, but beyond the actual manufacturing in a rough timeline, we don't know much and it hasn't been leaked. So there's speculation about it being 12 cores, eight high performance, four low power, or 16 cores, 12 high performance and four low power, along with 16 GPU cores, but it's just speculation. Shipments could begin as early as July to be used in new MacBooks, but the chip will also see use in other products down the line, like the M1. With how good the M1 is, um, so yeah, I, I am very interested to see what their second kick at the can looks like. It's good. It's exciting. Heck yeah. Finally, do you want to talk us through the, uh, sorry, game stuttering, game blame, stuttering windows. blame windows. Windows users have seen stuttering, flickering, and text rendering issues when playing certain games due to a recent Windows update. Oh boy. The fix was applied server-side last weekend, requiring no action from users. Um, just so you guys know. The problem, as well as outright crashes, were linked to the KB-5001-330 update and the previous KB-5842 update, uh, with even an NVIDIA forum admin coming forward to recommend that folks try removing these updates to fix the bugs, which is uh, kind of a big yikes. But um, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get those smooth frames. Yep. Uh, the 842 update was an optional update aimed at fixing performance and printing issues. Lol. The fact printers. that printing is still fixing printers, Luke. Solved. 
Yeah, the fact that that isn't just completely solved in 2021 is bonkers to me. But, you know, printers still need fixing, There's I guess. There's room for a disruptor, uh, okay, Luke? There's room for a disruptive printer manufacturer. Like, seriously, instantly, I would buy the it just works and the refills are cheap printer. I'm in. I'm down. Yeah, yeah, if someone can make that happen. I, yeah. The issue is probably just know. that like HP and whoever just own every related patent and it would be basically impossible to build a printer. That's what I suspect is actually going on here. That's I got right. total I ignorance like, though. Ignorance. You you could get a you could get around Windows by like using email to like receive the the printing jobs and like all this other kind of stuff, just like completely avoid the old ways. But But remember, a lot of people are printing from Microsoft applications. I don't think the, uh, I don't think the office team would throw that kind of shade at the windows team. Be like, Hey, so we noticed your print stack is terrible. Um, You you can do custom printing sources. So like you could see this part, I think seems to work fine. Uh, But you know how you can do like cute PDF where you print to software. Yeah. You could print to software that emails it. You but totally I don't care. Yeah. I just mean that the word team is not about to make that the default behavior. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to find weird ways of avoiding ways of stuff. Yeah, I just... Oh, it's just... It's it's amazed me since I've been into computers how screwed printers have been, you know? So it's just like, I don't know, just abandon everything we've done this whole time and try to find a different way because it's clearly not working. But anyways, um, on the Microsoft support page, Microsoft says that a small subset of users have reported lower than expected performance, etc. However, this small subset seems to be an approximate 20% of users, which is pretty rough. That being said, uh, it's more likely that users are going to come out upset then users are going to come out completely okay with it. Yeah, and they so don't roll. A reporting issue they here. don't roll these updates worldwide instantly either. And once they yeah. start noticing problems, it's typical that they uh, slow the rollout at least. Yeah. And I think yeah. the last uh, the last one today is the Epic versus Apple um, oh. court hearings start on Monday. That's going to be interesting. We've been talking about this very consistently and for a long time and now yeah. we're going to see some see some more movement on it it's just it's so it, there's so much interesting stuff coming out because of this some of it even about apple um so back uh, back in 2013 uh senior vice president of internet software and services eddie q apparently wanted to bring iMessage to android uh championing the cause so that they wouldn't lose out to google in mobile in the mobile messaging space considering how they had already dominated in mail video etc um, in response, um, <laughs> the uh, senior VP of software engineering politely expressed the difficulty Apple would have convincing users on the Android side to switch to iMessage. Uh, we'd need more than a marginally better app. Um, Craig also expressed a concern that it would simply serve to remove an obstacle to iPhone families giving their kids Android phones. So here's something I still oh, have a hard time wrapping my brain around iMessage gets put on this pedestal as like the killer app, a killer app for iPhone. Why? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I I saw this like series of tweets from someone saying that like denying iMessage to people that aren't on iPhone is like denying people like basic human resources. Um, And by that, I don't mean 
Yeah, I understand. Uh, that, that reference, yeah, that references to earlier in the show, but I, I meant like food and water and housing and like stuff like that. And it's just like, what are you even possibly talking about? Yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah, Yvonne and I uh, were talking about this on the way home from work the other day. Um, and she's just like, she's like, what? Well, I can't see how, I can't see how not having iMessage would interfere with anyone's social life or something like that. And I'm yeah. like, Right, because you, my dear, would never have anyone in your life for any extended period of time who actually made decisions based on what kind of phone someone else had. <laughs> like, that like, doesn't mean those people are not out there. I, I don't think, I don't think I'm friends with anyone who would do that. I don't think. Well, you wouldn't be able to because you're some kind of disgusting android pleb. Yeah. Like, um, and gross. maybe that's why I've, I've heard of it being a thing. Like I've heard of the, like, uh, like, why are your text bubbles this different color? Mm, I judge you because I'm a douchebag. I've heard of that stuff, but I've, I've never experienced anything like that in my, the in dream my star life. says, because it's there by default, you don't need your friends to install a third party app. It's text messaging. It's text messaging. Everything has by default. And also, because you're I think even I think even the that stupid watch that I reviewed had it by default. Is your the, friend a, is your friend a yeah. moron? They don't know how to <laughs> install an app. Why do they even have a smartphone? It's unnecessary. Get a flip phone. Yeah. What What are you talking what, what about? Yeah. The uh, what was that thing called? Neptune Pine. I'm pretty sure the Neptune yeah. Pine had text messaging by default. Of course this it is did. Not like a, this is not an innovative thing. Okay, Dark Slayer asks, does iMessage do something special? All right, it has end-to-end -end encryption. Not the best on the market, but it is end-to-end -end encrypted. It has very robust support for media sharing. So very high quality uh, picture sharing, low compression. That's a good thing. You can do your emojis or whatever. It has excellent Email. support for things like stickers and all that kind of reaction crap. Excellent support for group messages. All things that lots of other apps. I guarantee you, I could come up with apps most of you have never even heard of that have excellent support for all those things. Line, for example, huge in Taiwan, basically irrelevant for much of the rest of the world. It's awesome. It's got lots of great well, features. Other than China, which it's huge there as far as my understanding goes. Line? But yeah. I don't think so. I thought it's all WeChat in China. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. WeChat's a steaming pile of garbage if they didn't have like a government enforced basically monopoly. Like there's so many features, there's so many um, things that you do through your WeChat account, like being able to, you know, pay for things and stuff like that. Like if it wasn't for that, I, I can't imagine them having the kind of mar market share that they do. But uh, yeah. that's a whole that's a whole separate conversation. Line is apparently big in Japan as well, uh, according to uh, according to Twitch chat. Um, but yeah. Line sweet, yeah. Fresh Prince of whatever this is says says iMessage is godly. Nope, it's just a messaging app, and it's actually the worst yep. messaging app because it's not cross-platform. That makes it literally the worst messaging app. Any messaging right. app that is not cross-platform is like why is why is it in my life exactly? I, I, I genuinely like. I, I feel like I need to sit down. And like have a coffee with someone who genuinely thinks this stuff just so I can like really get into their head so I can understand it. Cause I, I have been whiffed 
this whole time. Like I just, I genuinely have never so, understood. Okay. It has only seemed like a status Hold symbol a thing second. to me. So, okay, that's it right there. The reason that you don't have a coffee with this person and can't get into their head is because you live in a completely different world, Luke. Because remember, these the same kind of people that would decide, like I remember talking about this, this I think it was on TechLinked, we might have talked about it on WAN Show, but your odds of being swiped, whatever the correct way is on Tinder, were something like 60 plus percent higher if you had an iPhone in your profile picture versus having an Android phone. They like did a study on this. Oh, wow. um, and the reason, bonkers, the reason for it is that you as an Android pleb who doesn't give any cares about it, um, don't understand that there's a whole other group of people out there, none of whom you interact with because they wouldn't be caught dead talking to you, that really are that superficial, that will actually you know, notice that I am wearing Costco jeans and not ask me for directions and instead ask someone else for directions who's wearing jeans from, I don't know, a store that things cost more money or something. Um, so you have to understand sure. that right. the, the blue bubble means a lot more than just you have an iPhone and support for an emojis. None of that actually matters, which is why iMessage zealots can never actually explain without sounding like complete why they care about iMessage. It's because the real reason is that they're a pompous douchebag, not because <laughs> there's any other actual reason. Yeah, and that that's what it's felt like. But like, the, people keep on trying to make arguments and none of them really make sense. So I keep on being like, right. this doesn't, yeah. Because yeah. They, 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 whether they know it or not, the actual reason is because they're elitist douche nozzles, not realizing... <laughs> That if I'm rocking a Galaxy Fold or whatever, my phone actually costs twice as much as theirs. And it has absolutely nothing to do with being some <laughs> kind of pleb. Like, I remember I tweeted about this a little while ago. Like, you can get a blue bubble for, like, $75 on eBay. Having an iPhone doesn't mean anything except that oh it means on. that it was important enough to you to have an iPhone that you are that kind of shallow. That's all it means. That's that would be really funny. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if there is someone out there who like mainlines an Android device. Oh, it's a thing. But knows before you even finish, it's a thing. You route it through your iPhone to send to your iMessage peeps. And you just have an iPhone sitting plugged <laughs> into a wall. It's totally a thing. I forget how to do it. But we talked about it when we were doing like oh, Hackintosh or something. Like there's a whole yeah. there's it's a whole thing that you can do. Wow. Uh, Mad Perf. X says, Linus is judging be... our personal preferences. No, I'm judging, judging other people's personal preferences. Yes. Being yeah. an iMessage elitist means you are an asshole, and that's not a personal preference. That's a bad attitude. It's that simple. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if you have an iPhone. That's the difference. If you care that someone else doesn't, then you're an asshole, and that's not an opinion. That's just you being judgmental. And I'm allowed to judge you for being judgmental. You don't just get to play the you're being judgmental card and I should accept your judgmentality or whatever the word is for that. That's <laughs> not how it works. You know, it's like when someone I, walks up and kicks your dog and you punch them in the face. You are not the aggressor. They are. They had it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also love how the example of how to fix it is like the most stereotypically over the top working around the solution way too hard Androidy type of thing like rerouting your messages through this device that you just have planted there all like, Oh my goodness. Well, whatever. <laughs> I don't make the rules, man. 
What I do make the rules about is when we go through and read some super chats, because it's pretty much the end of the show. Uh, Robert Mail says, hybrid core windows might be a mess. Hopefully the, yeah, hopefully the Windows scheduler team can pull some experience from the Windows ARM team. Otherwise, the performance degradations will be Zen 1 all over again, but probably worse. You're probably right. But this time, because Intel will have done it first, and because AMD is a bigger player, uh, we might see more optimization before the release of the product instead of after the release of the product. <laughs> um, so we, we can we can hope for the best. Um, Tropical, I love this. This is a bit of an inside joke for CrossCode fans, but uh, the message is, Hi, Leah. I, lo I love it. Thank you. <laughs> um, Chappers says, Hey, guys, do you think people should have some kind of protection when it comes to digital downloads of games? Um, not that it would ever happen, but what if Steam went bust? I'd lose over 200 games. Doesn't Steam have a provision for that in their user license agreement? No idea. I'm actually not sure if they do, but uh, yeah, that is the kind of thing that should probably legislate. That should probably be legislated. If a platform is going to go away, um, and it is an online-only platform, there should be an opportunity, some kind of grace period where you can download it and then have it forever. Um, I don't know how they would administer that, but lawmakers sort of rarely worry about those kinds of minor details anyway, so they would just legislate it and let, let people figure out how to deal with it. We've run into all <laughs> kinds of stuff like that with like international taxation for LTT store and all of that, but um, separate conversation. Um, Adam says, inflation has nothing to do with the rising cost of education. Uh, didn't say it did. Inflation is sort of separate. Um, but what I said was that those things are happening in parallel. The cost of living is going up and the cost of education is going up. And if you're a student, the cost of education is part of your cost of living. And then, okay, this is getting interesting. The state and federal governments were heavily subsidizing education and much of those funds were eliminated in the 80s. I don't know if you noticed, but um, the state and federal government of the US and Canada are all still heavily subsidizing education. Uh, it's just we've cut it off at 12 now for some reason and also uh, if our, our local Primo University, UBC, is anything to go by, uh, they're also just making mad bank when I thought education was supposed to be about passing down knowledge. Have you seen the amount of construction? Uh, Yvonne and I both went to UBC, and we UBC went there cool. on a date for our 10 years of dating anniversary. We went there, 15 years, I think. Um, we didn't recognize the campus. Like, the amount of money they are spending when actually tuition could just be cheaper is yeah. incredible. And it's not just, it's not on educational facilities necessarily. A lot of it is very commercial, uh, very development centric. Let's build some apartments and then do hundred year leases so that we still own this land and effectively somebody else pays to put housing on this like endowment land that we were given a hundred years ago or whatever. It's like pretty disgusting. Um, yeah, has nothing to do maybe something to do with, but it is not as simple as there's not enough subsidies. And if the government's not subsidizing education enough, then I've got a sort of big question for you. Why the f*** not? It's sort of the most important possible thing. <gasps> who is going to keep the economy going when you are retired? Right? Like, who is going to make it so your standard of living doesn't suck? A well-educated working class. Well, you can't get there unless you get the well-educated part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Logan says, like, oh, yeah, go ahead. As a society, you should kind of want that too because more, not necessarily well-informed because that's not fair. I just don't want to be surrounded um, by people who are like impossible to talk to. 
I mean, yeah. how much is that? that? That's not unreasonable. That's one of the reasons I started a company and then hired all people that I'd want to actually spend my day with. It's, it's such a small thing to ask. Yeah. And, and like, uh, th these are people that are in the, in the voting sphere as well. And like all this kind of stuff. So yeah. 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 And, and I'm not saying just before anyone jumps on that either, I'm not saying like your education has to be like a, an English degree, like extended education could be a trade. It could be whatever. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, education can absolutely, it's all education. Education yeah. can be a first aid course for all I care. Just sure. yeah. investing in education is valuable. Learning new skills and, and expanding your, your knowledge base in general, those things are very valuable to society as a whole. It doesn't necessarily matter. Like, I'm not trying to compare uh, learning how to do various forms of maths ver versus uh, learning how to weld. Like, it doesn't matter to me those resources being readily available to your citizens is extremely valuable. So uh, what else uh, What else do we got here? Logan says, I'm 20 and I live in the Lower Mainland. I have no hope of living in my area in the future. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, unless it all crashes. Hey, let's see how we go. Uh, Justin says, please tell me why you said NVIDIA copied RBAR from AMD when it's part of the PCI Express standard, but now saying AMD didn't copy Intel's hybrid solution. Come on, be consistent and fair. It's a headline, man. Get over it. Um, NVIDIA copied AMD in actually bothering to implement it. It's been part of the PCI Express for a long time. And I said AMD didn't copy Intel's hybrid solution because um, ARM did it first. There. <laughs> uh, Mal says, any plans for a second kid's book? My son's been obsessed with it for bedtimes lately, and now I can recite every line off the top of my head. That's hilarious because even I have not memorized it. Uh, yeah, I think the second one's going to be counting with computers. We're going to have some fun with the uh, what's a computer thing, and uh, it'll be everything's a computer. So we'll oh boy. Uh, we'll be counting. Will that be a little outdated by then. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it'll just it'll be a fun rhyme, and it'll be just an inside joke for people who like get it or whatever. And then sure. every page will be a different kind of computer because computers are all around us, right? Uh, so we'll start with ones that Abacus. are maybe more traditional, like uh, like a desktop computer. One one desktop computer, uh, 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 two laptops, uh, 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 you know, three uh, tablets, four smartwatches, whatever. So you kind of keep going. And I think that's um, a pretty low-hanging fruit, kind of easy one for me to do. I've been really busy lately. I haven't had any time to work on it, but I think that's going to be the next concept. So like... Uh, You'll have the ABC one, and then we'll do a counting one, and then maybe we'll do you know shapes and colors, like all that kind of stuff. But it's going to take time. Uh, we are cool. we are way past our break even point for our initial order of ABCs of gaming, though. So it's been it, I consider it a success already, and it is it is likely to continue. We've sold over ten thousand copies. Like it's incredible, um, actually. I really appreciate everyone's support. And when I mentioned that it was on Amazon, I think it was two shows ago, Luke, yeah. something like that. Uh, yep. immediately the maximum amount we were allowed to stock there, which is 150 units, were gone. And you guys have been leaving reviews on it, which is really incredible. Obviously, that helps a lot. And then th th I think I was talking about this on the last show. Uh, Amazon was like, hey, recommended restock, 900 units. By the way, you can't have more than 595 units. So we sent 595, and we're probably going to blow right through them. Awesome. That's um, cool. Tech Kev says, lost chance to get on the property ladder in the early 2000s. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Daniel says, I want to use a Git repo off a of NAS. 
Do you know any way to do that without intolerable latency? Bandwidth is great, but dealing with hundreds of thousands of tiny files takes forever. I mean, other than moving to fiber optics and not using TCP IP, like finding a different protocol that works for you. Um, no, not really. Well, um, what's your NAS? Because people run, yeah. Oh yeah, it might, be a, might be a really slow, like crappy NAS. Um, yeah. Going yeah. SSD would help a lot. Yeah, like there, there's a difference between a NAS, which is like a computer that you built that has storage on it that you put on your network and like a, a little Synology yeah, box. Like some eight-year-old like cute yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Kinestic says, have you seen any of the backlash about the latest YouTube app update and the default video quality stuff? I can't say that I have. Um, not even a real channel says, hey, on your EK Waterblocks active backplates vid, you talked about how the VRAM was getting ridiculously hot on a Zotac 3090 Trinity. The Founders Edition has heat sinks on both sides. Uh, so does the Zotac. Uh, but we removed it to make it easier to get thermal images. It was slightly cooler with the backplate. It doesn't make as much of a difference as you might think. All right, there's some stuff in here. Um, Austin says, any update on the Verified Actual Gamers versus Linus event? Uh, yes, we have already run it. Uh, the video is coming soon. I believe it's going to hit float plane in uh, early access, which has not been a week lately. I'm sorry, we're trying uh no it looks like it is a simultaneous release on the fourth um so float plane is getting the gaming uh gaming phone roundup this weekend along with a ryzen 4750g review and uh wait okay i don't know what's going on it looks like the schedule is broken i will have to um <laughs> i'll have to find out what's going on with that uh okay and that's pretty much it uh thank you very much for tuning in to the wan show we will see you again next week same bad time same bad channel i hope you guys enjoyed oh Jaden, Jaden says in the float plane chat if you hate the youtube quality thing try float plane heck yeah hey heck solved. yeah man all Problem right solved. see y'all later guys bye Are we still alive? Oh yeah. <laughs>